Please take your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians. <clears throat> Please, 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. I've been to many missions conferences, and you're going to see some presentation this week. And these presentations will uh, are designed to move your heart emotionally uh, by seeing a great need. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, many times missionaries will get up and tell war stories, all right, what it's like to be out on, on the mission field and the problems of the mission field. Like, for example, myself, if I, as I've been traveling down North America, I just spent three months in California and I've had to come here in April. That, that's my war story, amen? I said, ah, to my wife, don't worry, we're going back to Canada after Easter, it'll be fine. Yeah, okay. <laughs> One of my family members had a birthday the other day. They said when the day he was born, it was 85 degrees. All right, so it's, you know, it was just like a, few, a couple of days ago. And so the, the year he was born, it was 85 degrees that day in April. And of course, uh, I don't come back to Canada that often. And so my, my welcome back here is freezing rain and snow and all the blessings. Amen. So, the, the war stories of how hard it is to serve God. That's mine, all right? Uh, but uh, uh, the thing is, those things many times will stir our hearts and get us to where we want to support missionaries, okay? But we, as your pastor just said, we, we need to give our hearts to the Lord in this area of missions because you're going to forget the video presentations. You're going to forget the faces, all right? You might... See their prayer cards or whatever. But the emotions are very easily waned, right? Uh, I, it's my first time, uh, back to my home church in many years. And it was really a flood of emotions on Sunday morning when I was there. And, uh, uh, to see a lot of those things. Uh, but you know, as I get back to traveling and doing what God has me to do, I'm not going to be you know, thinking about that service every day, okay, and all that, right? You go on with life, and we're going to go on with life. But again, if God has your heart in this area of missions, I believe uh, you'll do great things in the area of faith, promise, missions, supporting missionaries, uh, reaching the world with the gospel, but not just the world with the gospel, the GTA with the gospel, amen, amen. and uh, the uh, uh, province of Ontario and Canada with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, one of the things I told the pastors in California is, uh, they said, well, do you understand California? I said, yes, I do. I said, I was raised in Canada. I said, I pastored in Toronto. I said, Toronto is a very multicultural area, just like California. I said, it has very similar government that California does. I said, it has the same traffic that you have. And also, the number of churches uh, just like here in the GTA, churches like this one, how few there are, uh, that's what California's like. And, and so uh, they kind of appreciated that. I was not coming from Georgia where there's a church on every street corner, but uh, understood the need there in California. Well, let's look here at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 12 and uh, verse number 6. We're talking here about the life of the Apostle Paul. Now think of the Apostle Paul and all that he did for missions. Right? The, the missionary journeys that he went on. What did he do for church planting? All the plant, churches that God used him to plant. What did he do for the Word of God, right? Uh, all, all of these things that you could think of with the Apostle Paul. And here it's talking about the, the abundance of revelations that God gave to Paul. 
uh, that, you know, you and I uh, did not receive, right? And, and, you know, sadly today in the culture that we live today, if a, if a pastor did all of the things that the Apostle Paul did, uh, he'd be writing books, he'd be a keynote speaker across the, the wor- around the world, really. And, uh, uh, you know, they'd be bragging about him and there'll be a five-year waiting list to get him and all of these other things that, that happens in our culture today. But here's the Apostle Paul. And all that he did for missions, and I love what it says in verse number 6, For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. Look at Paul's heart there. Now, you see a couple of things. Number one, he had a desire to glory. Now, we think of the great apostle Paul. Well, he would never be like us and want to brag about what we do for God, right? Uh, you know, it's easy. I, I have, as a pastor said, well, if nobody else is going to do it, I'll do it because I'm the only one who does anything around here, right? You kind of get a little frustrated every once in a while and you start thinking a little high of yourself and that you are the only one that does anything. And it's easy for us to kind of lift ourselves up and want to brag. And, and there's that desire there. Of course, that desire is wrong, but We know that all people struggle with that. Here's the great Apostle Paul. He struggled with wanting to say, Hey, I'm the Apostle Paul. Do you not know who I am? In a missions conference like this, he could walk in and say, Excuse me, Brother Russ, uh, sit down. I'm Paul. Right? Uh, You know, that desire to do that. He says that he had that. He struggled with that. However, the verse goes on to say, I shall not be a fool. In other words, he says, That would be so foolish of me to brag. He says, you know, how uh, crazy the, even the idea, the concept of me getting up and bragging. And, and those of you who know God and you've had a relationship with God and you walked with God and you've served God over the years. Right? You might think of all the Sunday school lessons you've taught and all the doors you've knocked on, all the people you've invited to church, all the missions dollars that you've given here at MIBC and have a... Uh, desire maybe to brag about that and say, you know what, uh, uh, you know, and I've even thought of that, you know, how many missionaries uh, does my faith promise mission support every year, you know, from what I give and we tend to want to brag, but we, we realize real quick that that's just foolish because it's God that does the work and it's the Lord Jesus Christ that deserves the honor and glory. Amen. We don't deserve any of it. Paul realized that He couldn't do any of that without the Lord Jesus Christ. If he didn't save him, if he didn't call him, if if the Holy Spirit of God wasn't working through him, he wouldn't have accomplished anything. So he understands that. And he goes he goes on to say, I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And so he goes, I'm going to forbear. I don't want anybody to think of me above what they, they should think of me. And sometimes, you know, when you read books about Paul and when you hear sermons about Paul, you kind of get in your head, Paul was some sort of a superhero Christian that flew on a cape into a town and uh, won those people to Christ, started a church and flew off to the next town. But, you know, we're just average Christians and we can't do what Paul did. We, we can't accomplish all the great things that the Apostle Paul did. You know, who am I? You know. What can I do? And we start thinking humanly. And Paul is saying here, I don't want to be lifted up. I don't want to be exalted. He wouldn't want us to think tonight that Paul could do greater things for world evangelism than anyone sitting here tonight. 
He wouldn't want us thinking that. He wouldn't want us thinking that, you know, Paul could do great things to reach the world for Christ, but what are we? Who are we, this crowd here in Mississauga? Think of all the people in, around the world in this crowd. You're going to impact. You're going to do something for Christ. And he wouldn't want you to think that. And so he goes on in verse 7 and says, Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So God says, Paul, let me help you. You don't want to be exalted amongst the people. Let me help you. And it gives them the thorn in the flesh. The Bible doesn't really clearly say what the thorn in the flesh is. I'll let your pastor tell you what he thinks the theory is, all right, on that one. Uh, the thorn in the flesh, it doesn't matter what it was, all right? But uh, the thorn in the flesh made it harder for, for Paul to serve him, and it humbled him. Now, uh, I'll once in a while, you know, get a cold. And I'm telling you, I get bitter. I get angry. I'm like, God, what are you doing? I'm serving you. I don't have time for a cold. You know, don't you know what I do for you? You know, Pastor Alcott, he's got time for colds. I don't, all right? Uh, I've got things to do for God. And uh, uh, I get a little upset about that. It's just a cold, all right? Well, uh, you know, I just get frustrated because I just want to do things. I just want to get going. I, I don't want to hit the pause button. I don't want anything interfering with what I'm supposed to do with God or for God. And here God puts something in Paul's life to help keep him humble. To bring him down. And I can understand the frustration. I, when I get a cold, look, I sneeze once. The first thing I do, we, we carry, uh, we get them at Costco, the, the uh, vitamin C tablets, the high dose vitamin C tablets. I sneeze. I don't know if it's an allergy. I don't know if a cold is coming on. I don't know what it is. But just in case, I pump two of those. Next morning, I pump two more. Next night, two more. I'm going to start fighting this thing. And I think it's successful because most of the time it works. Now, it could have been I just sneezed because I had dust on my nose. I don't know. But I wasn't taking the chance, all right? Uh, I, 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 when, when a problem comes in my life, I don't know about you, I want the problem to go away now. All right? Because we, we get impatient. So Paul's given this thorn in the flesh. And what does he say in verse number 8? For though, uh, for this thing I besought, it says verse number 8, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. So what's going on here is the Apostle Paul asks for God to remove the thorn in the flesh. And he's begging God three times, God, will you remove this? God, will you remove this? God, will you remove this thorn in my flesh? God, will you take it out of my life? God, I, I, I want to serve you. Uh, God, if you take this out of my life, I can serve you in a greater way. I can accomplish more things. God, will you take this out of my life? And, you know, when problems come, there's nothing wrong with asking God to remove them. Amen? You get a cold, nothing wrong with saying, God, remove this cold, right? You go into, uh, you have some financial problems, God, help me to get out of these financial problems. You're having a problem in your home, God, help us take that, uh, get this problem solved in our home, right? And there's so many things that can go wrong, so many things that can happen, so many things that uh, we could face in our lives, that there's nothing wrong with asking God to take them away. To get them out of our lives. But again, he tries to humble us. He brings things in our lives. And we have to become like the Apostle Paul and realize we're just the instrument. Amen. The 
Toronto Maple Leafs are in the Stanley Cup playoffs. How, how are the Canucks doing? <laughs> we don't know what that's like. Yeah. <laughs> For a year. <laughs> but, you know, the Leafs are in the playoffs. And let's say they make it and they're playing Winnipeg. Amen? For the Stanley Cup Finals. And uh, it's a Stanley Cup Final game. Game seven, seconds are clicking off. The game is tied. Austin Matthew goes down the ice. And uh, just at the last second, as just before the puck goes in the net, or as the puck goes in the net, the buzzer goes off. Amen? And, and uh, the, the, the Leafs win the Stanley Cup right here in Toronto. And uh, everybody's excited, and, and the fans storm over the boards, and they go out onto the ice, and they pick up the puck, and they put the puck on their shoulder, and say, this puck is amazing, this puck is great. That wouldn't happen, right? We understand that, right? The puck was just part of the game. It was just a tool. It was just an instrument, right? Everybody storms the goalie, or everybody jumps all over the player who scored the, the game-winning uh, goal, and the crowd goes wild, and everybody's excited, and the puck doesn't make the front page of the Toronto Star, right? In God's life, many times, you know, we got to understand, we're the puck. We're God's instrument. We're God's tool. And uh, But we send 10 to 1 our pay, picture on the front page of the Toronto Star. We want the honor, and we want the glory, and so Paul begs God, will you please take this thorn and take it out of my life? And he says, gives him an answer in verse number 9. He says to Paul, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So God answers the Apostle Paul and tells him, I am not going to take your problems away. I am not going to take this thorn in the flesh away. And as we live for God and when we think of our lives and we think now, I don't know what problems you're going through or what difficulties you're facing, but I guarantee everyone here, we live in a sin-cursed world, right? So you have something going on in your life. And if everything's going great today, don't worry. Tomorrow will come. Amen. <laughs> Aren't I a decent encourager? Amen. That's what I'm here for. All right. And, uh, you know, we're all facing problems. And now the pastor's bringing up missions. And, you know, he's wanting us to give to missions. Wanting you to make a commitment and getting behind missions. And you, you look at missions and, and you can say, but with all the things going on in my life, where does missions rank? What should I do? Should we get involved? You know, when I had mission conferences in the past, right away, the first thing I start praying about is, God, what would you have us to do? What would you have us to give? And I'd start praying for that as we prepare for the missions conference. And, uh, you know, hopefully as you've been... Uh, as your pastor's been promoting this missions conference, you're praying about that and you're searching God's, God's will and, and, uh, you're asking for God to, to guide and direct. And there's sometimes a struggle. Okay. I've faced this. I've sat where you are. I'm the pastor. Okay. Of our church and I'm planning a missions conference and, and I'm already praying to God, God, what would you have us to do? And I've sat there as a pastor and said, well, you know, my kids are in Bible college right now. You know, God, 
this is going on and that's going on and I'm facing this and I'm facing that and and you know the church struggling a little bit right now and and there's not a certainty maybe uh, even in my salary and uh, you know different things are you know the devil's fighting you and and God's saying to the apostle Paul as Paul is saying God I want to serve you in a greater way take away my problems he says my grace is sufficient for you now as believers. We understand that we are saved by grace, right? And we all we all get that, right? I, I know the teaching has taken place in this church over the years, and so we are saved by grace, not of ourselves, right? So it is the grace of God that saved us. We we didn't do it, we didn't earn it. If I got up here tonight and said, "Now listen, if you give." Twice as much money this year to Faith Promise Missions, you get to go to heaven. All right? I think your pastor would have a talk with me. <laughs> and Brother Teeson would be saying, I don't know what happened to him, but get rid of him. All right? <laughs> okay? Because that would be wrong. I mean, that's heresy. But we understand that I, Rick Ross, could do nothing to save me. It's by his grace, by his enablement, by his power I'm saved. Now, I could trust God to save me of all my sins. I could trust God beyond a shadow of a doubt that if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. But the grace of God is sufficient for all areas of our lives. So if you're facing difficulties here today, as the Apostle Paul's facing difficulties, he says, my grace is sufficient. But I love this. He doesn't just say, my grace is sufficient. Don't worry. Don't you love parents? Remember when you were a kid? No, don't worry about it. You know, Dad, how's this going to work out? Don't worry about it. Right? That's just a lazy dad that doesn't want to explain it to you. But your dad's already got it figured out. So he's like, oh, don't worry about it, kid. Right? And don't worry. I, I've said don't worry about it to my kids. I'm not picking on you. All right? So uh, you know, don't worry about it. Right? You just want to go on with your day. You don't want to explain it all. you got it all figured out. Don't worry about it. Right? God doesn't say to you with your life, don't worry about it. Which he could. Because if I said to you, don't worry about it, your life will be okay. You're going to say, uh, we had that guy's promise. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you're counting on my promise that your life is going to be okay, there's a problem. But this is Almighty God, the faithful and true God. I'm saying, don't worry about it. My grace is sufficient. But he goes on to teach another even equally uh, 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 amazing principle. It's a, it's a great truth. He goes on to say, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Men, your wife comes to you with a problem. What do you do? You get on your knees for an hour and beg God for an answer, right? No, you're the man of the house. You know what you're doing. Who needs God, right? We can solve that one. And we can solve this one. And we can solve that one. We do that. Our kids come to us with problems and I can handle that. I'm a man, right? The the, uh, car breaks down. I can handle that. I'm a man. And we can kind of get that arrogance about ourselves that we can handle everything. But life tends to not just kick you. Well, sometimes it kicks and kicks and kicks. <laughs> Amen. Isn't that a blessing? And, uh, uh, you know, and sometimes, you know, but God's saying, you listen, my grace is sufficient. And you're thinking, hey, God, all right, I can take one, two, three, four, but come on. 
Come on, uh, you know, I, I can't take another kick. Can you give me a break? And all of a sudden, another one happens. You're thinking, what on earth is going on? Sometimes a problem comes in your life, and we get to the point we say, I can't handle this. You know, if, if one of my children were rushed or one of my grandchildren were rushed to the hospital, was in a major accident and could die and needed surgery, what am I going to do? Barge into the hospital and say, I'll take care of this. Right? Trust me, you do not want me to operate on you. Right? Even if I was fully trained, that's gross. Right? Just, I get wheezy. That would be a bad thing all right, for me to operate on you. And so you wouldn't want that. But can you imagine I say, I'll take care of it. That would be a crazy thing, wouldn't it? But we get to the point in our life sometimes where we say, I can't do this. And you might be saying here, sitting here tonight thinking, you know what, all the stuff's going on in my life and all the responsibilities. Now we're going to tack on another year of faith, promise, mission. You say, I can't do it. It's just too much. And you know what God says? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Finally, you're right where I want you to be. See, Paul was on his knees begging God, take it away, take it away, take it away. And God says, no. And then he teaches him, listen, when you become weak, then I am strong. Isn't it a sad thing that the times that we pray, many times for the most important things in our lives is only when we get to the end of our rope. Only when we get to the point where we say, I can't do this. I can't handle this. And we have to ask God and beg God. Now, it is a sad thing for us. But you know what God's doing in heaven? He's smiling and saying, finally. I don't know why you didn't come to me six months ago. But you're finally to that point where you're becoming weak and you're coming to me. And now you can become strong because my grace is going to make you strong. See what he goes on to say? Paul's saying here now, Paul speaking. He now begged God, please take my problems away three times. And what does he go on to say now? Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities. So Paul goes from God, please, God, please, God, please, take away my infirmities, take away my problems, take away my difficulties. And he gets to the point where now he says, hallelujah, another problem. Hallelujah, another difficulty. Now, how many of us are there? Right? That's, it's not all, you know, how many of you, when you, you wake up in the morning, there's a problem, you leap out of bed, you click your heels and say, hallelujah, another problem to solve today, right? And, oh, I've gotten up some mornings and thinking, oh, why today? Why? You know, <laughs> why do I have to face this? Why do I have to go through this? Right? And we get down and we get discouraged. Paul got to the point where he rejoiced in his infirmities. And why did he rejoice in his infirmities? Because when he realized an infirmity came, that he couldn't handle the problem, that he could go to God, and God would become strong through him. And what does that verse go on to say? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. And that's what it's all about. That's what I'm trying to get to here tonight. That... We can sometimes think very highly of ourselves. And there might be here some today that give a lot to missions. And praise God for that. 
that you're that you're surrendered to do that. There's some here today that are maybe struggling, saying, you know what, I have too much going on in my life. I can't give to, uh, to missions. And, you know, you might be sitting here and thinking, well, the pastor's going to ask for a commit, com- uh, commitment card, and, you know, what am I going to do when it comes to missions? And you're fighting the devil, and you're, you're fighting the Spirit of God as he's trying to move in your heart and life, and, and you're getting down, you're getting discouraged. And what we all need to do is spend some time and get on your knees and say, God, I don't know what to do for faith promise this year. God, I don't know what to do to get involved with reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus. Christ. God, I don't know. I need your power. I need your help. And I said, the Spirit of God may come resting upon you. Because when God, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ here in this passage of Scripture rests upon you as an individual and gets a hold of your heart. Uh, you know, when the videos that we show you this week leave your mind and you forget, when, when uh, you forget the face of your missionary, when you forget that that I was here for your missions conference with the, the power of Christ resting upon your life. You're going to stay faithful uh, to giving the world evangelism. You're going to stay faithful to reaching the people here in Mississauga. You're going to be faithful to praying for your missionaries. You're going to stay faithful to doing your part, doing what God would have you to do to reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. When Paul says that he rejoiced in his infirmities, think about that. You know what, when Jesus Christ was going to die on the cross, he said, for the joy that was set before me. Huh, that's a crazy statement, isn't it? But it contradicts himself in the garden when he says, God made this cup pass over. Right? No, it doesn't contradict. See, Jesus Christ knew what was going to happen. He was going to have to take on the sins of all mankind. He was going to take on your sins. And he was going to take them on himself, and his heavenly Father was going to turn his back on him. For the first time ever, they're going to be separated. And he knew it was going to be a great, horrific event. Now, he does say, may this cup pass, but nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Amen. He surrenders. And the joy that was set, what is the joy that is set? Being whipped? Being brutalized? Carrying the cross? Being nailed? being jerked into the ground, being pierced with the spear after he died, being put in the grave. Like, where's the joy? Where's the fun? Where's the good part? You know what the joy was? The end result. The end result is he died for our sins, buried, rose again. Now you and I can come to know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and have an eternity in heaven. And Paul realized that difficulties in our life, the struggles of life, when they bring us to our knees, there's a joy that comes from that. Amen. As you might struggle with what God would have you to do in world evangelism, maybe there's a young person here tonight struggling. Do I go to the mission field? Do I serve God? Do I pastor someday? Do I plant a church? What would God have you to do? And you're struggling with that. And, and those struggling times are sometimes dark days and discouraging days. And you're not quite yourself. And Take heart that you can rejoice in that because you might say, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what to do. And you ask your pastor. Well, your pastor can't say, yes, you are called of God. Right? He can encourage you. He can share verses. He can pray with you. But this is a time between you and God. When it comes to what you're going to do for Faith Promise Mission, it's a time between you and God. 
Amen. What you're going to do to pray for your missionaries this year is a time between you and God. And, God, and the devil's going to fight you this week. And the devil's going to try and do something this year to uh, miss Hagen and I some Baptist church to beat you guys down so you don't do as much to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It can be dark days and difficult days. But you can get on your knees and say, God, I need your power. I need your strength. And the Spirit of Christ will come resting upon you. And the joy comes is that God enables you to give to missions. And God enables you to remember the missionaries. And God enables you to serve here in the local church. And God enables you to reach your neighbor for Christ. And God enables you to be a blessing to a missionary. And God helps you to do that. See, the difficult times we don't like. I told you, I get a cold and I'm the, you know, you know, ladies, you know, the, all the memes on Facebook about when your husbands get sick. I, I'm the guy in the picture, alright? Amen. <laughs> My wife points them out to me every time. I don't like them. But you know, when it comes to the difficult days with God, we don't need to get miserable and bitter and upset. We need to become like Paul. And say, you know what? God's brought this here for a reason. Let Him show Himself strong. May God get a hold of our hearts this week and realize that you can do great things for world evangelism if the power of Christ is resting upon you. Again, a video today or this week could emotionally stir you. But that emotional stirring will only get you a few weeks down the road. The power of Christ resting upon you is going to keep going. And may God help us to understand that we need the power of Christ to rest upon each and every one of us. To get a hold of our hearts so that God can do great things through us. We so often think, what can we do? If every church... In this world, so we're just a small church. We can't do much. We might as well quit. You know what would happen to world evangelism? It would stop. What do we do? Just if you're a church over a thousand, you can do something. Well, there'd be very few churches doing anything. Every one of us, real at this church, if it gets the realization the power of Christ rests upon this church, you could turn. Canada upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ and be involved with turning the world upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. May God get a hold of our hearts this evening and help us to have that realization that we need the power of Christ resting upon us, getting a hold of our hearts and rejoice that God can use us in difficult days, through the struggles and trials of life, we can do something great for God with His power resting upon us. Let's pray. Father, I love you. We love you. We thank you for this time in your word. I thank you for this opportunity to begin this uh, this missions conference here uh, this evening uh, with the realization that we need to get beyond the emotional things of missions and uh, the, the, the neat thing of talking to a missionary that flies an airplane. That, that's fun and and that's exciting, and I thank God for that. Well, we need to get beyond that. We need to get down to our hearts. And has God got a hold of our hearts? And do we have the power of Christ resting upon us? And is the power of Christ going to enable us to do great 
things for world evangelism. God, help us. God, help each one here tonight to make a decision for you. May they start off this uh, this conference here this evening to say, God, I want the power of Christ to rest upon me as a husband, as a father, so that I would know what God would have us to do. That God, the Holy Spirit, would rest upon me as a young person and help me to know what to do in serving you. God, help decisions to be made tonight that would honor and glorify you. We thank you. We praise you. We love you in Christ's precious name. Amen.